You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. On today's show, we will talk all things SEC football with 24-7 sports Brandon Marcello, one of the best college football writers out there. We'll find out from him who could be on upset alert this weekend in the SEC. I'll also give you my top SEC quarterback rankings through the first three weeks of the season. A lot of moving and shaking going on there every week. And lastly, we'll make arguments for who is the second best team in the SEC West this year. We think Bama is the best so far. They are 3-0. and Defense, not so great. But who is second best in the SEC West may not be as clear-cut as you think. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on SEC for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're here for you five days a week. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each day. All right, let's jump right into it. Let's do our SEC quarterback rankings. SEC quarterback rankings. All right, just a few quick thoughts on the quarterbacks as a whole after week three. Stats are not all that matters. But check this out. I don't know if this has ever happened in the SEC before through just the first three weeks. We've had a guy throw for over 500 yards. That was KJ Costello, who actually threw for 623 yards in week one against LSU. We have had five other guys with 400-yard passing performances already. Mac Jones has done it twice versus a and and Ole Miss. Miles Brennan and Connor Bazalak this past week, and Kyle Trask, of course, in week one against Ole Miss. And just to show you stats aren't everything, the two leaders in passing yards in the SEC, KJ Costello and Miles Brennan, are both one and two, and both guys are one and two record wise overall this season. So we take everything into account here your numbers, your touchdowns, your mistakes, your turnovers, your interceptions, and oh, by the way, your record. Are you helping your team win? put all that into account that said let's get into it rank our sec quarterbacks heading into week four we'll start from the bottom and work up number 14 i'm putting ken seals at vandy look for a true freshman it's not been all bad but it's been mostly bad his team has not won a game he's only thrown three touchdowns one in each game and it's hard for me to see him winning a game this year so ken seals you rank number 14 here Number 13, how about K.J. Costello at Mississippi State? How did you fall this far down this list? Well, the start, he has thrown nine interceptions this year. Let me just remind you guys, we are three weeks into the season, and he has thrown nine interceptions. The next on this list in the conference is Ken Seals. He's thrown four. You have thrown five more interceptions than any other quarterback in the SEC. Look, this may be Costello's last week even on this ranking list because Mike Leach will likely be making a quarterback change. It's it's crazy for me to put a guy who ranks 8th in the country in passing yards as my 13th best quarterback in the SEC, but this is where he belongs after scoring zero offensive points last week at Kentucky. Number 12, I've got Terry Wilson at Kentucky. Look, I like Terry Wilson a lot. He's shown tremendous running ability this season. He had three rushing touchdowns in the Ole Miss game. And I understand, look, his defense dominated this past weekend against Mississippi State. Constantly had short fields. But Terry was 8-for-20 for just 73 yards on Saturday. He ranks second to last in the conference of passing yards, just ahead of Seals. I need some better performances from Terry Wilson in the coming weeks to move him up in the quarterback rankings. Number 11, I went Colin Hill, South Carolina. He got his first win of the season, dominating Vanderbilt this past week. 
He was efficient, throwing for nearly 200 yards, rushed for two touchdowns, but he did not throw for one. He is also the most sacked quarterback in the SEC this year. Already sacked 10 times through three weeks. I like Colin Hill. I think he can be solid for the Gamecocks as that senior transfer, but he's only thrown three touchdown passes all year, so he ranks near the bottom. Number 10, Jarek Garantano, Tennessee. As much as I praise Garantano the first two weeks, and look, he had a really good first half against Georgia. The second half was one of the worst I've seen. He was sacked five times, threw an interception, several fumbles, including one that was returned for a touchdown. It was reminiscent of the old Garantano, but I am willing to give him a little bit of a pass, a little bit of benefit of the doubt that that Georgia defense is legit. I think he'll be much better the rest of the year, but Garantano, you are 10th in the SEC this week. Number nine, Connor Basilak, Missouri. Is it Basilak, Basilak? I've heard it pronounced a million different ways. Look, he's a redshirt freshman. He just earned the starting job away from Sean Robinson, but he was as impressive as he gets this past week against LSU. 29 for 34, 400 yards, four touchdowns, no picks, just one sack. He was tremendous. But we know LSU's defense is really bad. So I need to see more out of Basilak in the coming weeks, and he can move up this list, but... Round of applause for Connor, ba- Connor Basilak, the redshirt freshman at Mizzou. Number eight, I've got Felipe Franks at Arkansas. He has been way better than I expected so far this season. He's made some really nice throws, some really good ones this past week against Auburn. Threw for over 300 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Was able to keep some drives alive with his feet. And if the refs honestly had any sense, he'd be leading a 2 and one Arkansas team right now instead of a 1-2 and Arkansas team. I think Felipe's going to upset a good team sometime in the coming weeks. And that Arkansas team is on the rise. Number seven, I've got Bo Nix at Auburn. I keep looking at Nix's numbers this year, and I still don't understand why I have him this high. Reigning SEC freshman of the year, he's thrown for just one touchdown pass in the past two weeks. He's been sacked seven times on the year. He's thrown for less than 200 yards in each of the past two weeks. He ranks third to last in the conference in passing yards. But because of a dumb backward spike, the refs did not call. His team is 2-1. and one. We're going to find out a lot about Bo Nix in the coming weeks when their schedule gets a lot tougher. But for now, disappointing this year so far for Bo Nix. Number six, Miles Brennan at LSU. I, feel, I really feel like Brennan should be higher on this list. He's off to one of the best starts by an LSU quarterback ever. Second in the conference in passing with 1,100 yards. Second in the conference in passing touchdowns with 11. Only three interceptions. Honestly, if he had been able to get his team into the end zone versus Mizzou last week from the one-yard line, I'd have him in my top five. But he didn't. He couldn't get him in, and thus LSU falls to one and two. I understand the defense is mainly to blame for that. Brennan is a top five passer in this league, but your record is what you said, what it says you are. But I think I'll be moving Miles Brennan up this list in the coming weeks. Number five, Kellen Mond, Texas A&M. Welcome to the party, Kellen Mond. Not great the first week against Vandy, but he had his best game in a long time last weekend. The upset went over Florida. 338 passing yards, three touchdowns. The road does get tougher for him now, losing his second-best wide receiver in Caleb Chapman for the year. But Mond deserves to be a top-five quarterback for this week. Number four, I've got Matt Corral, Ole Miss. Look, I know his team lost this week to Bama, but there was not much more Corral could have done to help his team. Almost 400 yards passing, two touchdowns, no turnovers, sacked twice. He had one of the best passing days versus a Nick Saban defense ever. 
and he gets it done with some running ability as well. He is fourth in the conference in passing, nine touchdowns, over 300 yards in every game so far. It's hard not to love what he's doing as a sophomore in his first year in the Lane Kiffin offense, but the one and two record is hard to look past. 76% completion percentage is what Matt Corral has. That's second in the conference and deserves to put him as a top five ranking this week. Number three, I've got Stetson Bennett at Georgia. Through three games, he is on par with where Jacob Eason was in 2016. He's better than where Grayson Lambert was in 2015. He's better than where Hudson Mason was in 2014. The question is, does Stetson Bennett belong where Jake Fromm and Aaron Murray were in terms of recent Georgia quarterbacks? So far, so good. He is averaging over 200 yards passing a game. Not great. He's throwing just five touchdowns. Not great. But he doesn't turn the ball over. He's got zero interceptions. He's only been sacked three times. That's just once per game this year. And he has helped lead his team to an undefeated record. Maybe I'm overreacting on ranking him so high. But until Stetson Bennett proves me wrong with a bad game, I'm going to keep ranking him high. Huge test this week against Alabama, though. I know their defense hasn't been great, but they got playmakers everywhere. Odds are Stetson Bennett throws a pick this week. If he doesn't and Georgia beats Alabama, I may move Stetson Bennett up to one or two next week. My number two ranking this week in the quarterback rankings, I've got Mac Jones at Alabama. Mac is absolutely in the the Heisman conversation, over 1,100 yards passing just behind Brennan and Costello in the SEC. Eight touchdown passes, only one turnover. He's only been sacked twice on the year, leads the SEC in completion percentage, and is second in the country in completion percentage. Get to see the ultimate test, though, against this Georgia defense this week. Will the real, real Mac Jones please stand up? If he throws a pick six or two, a la like he did in the Iron Bowl towards the end of last year, then we'll know that's who Mac Jones really is. And number one on this list, I've got Kyle Trask at Florida still. I cannot fault Trask for Malik Davis putting the ball on the ground at midfield late in the game last week against AM. If Davis doesn't fumble there, Trask has taken Florida down the field for a potential game winner, field goal, or touchdown. And yet another big day of throwing the ball for him last week. 300 yards, four touchdowns. I still think Trask is the best quarterback in the SEC, despite his team taking the loss at AM. He leads the league in passing touchdowns with 14. He is going to torch this LSU defense this week. Trask remains number one on my list of ranking the SEC quarterbacks after three weeks. That is our rankings. I hold the right to change them every single week and move guys up and down on that list. Look, coming up next, we're going to talk all things SEC football with Brandon Marcello of 247sports.com. Hey, you guys know we're always telling you about the Built Bars. Well, now you have to try Built Go. We all have that daily wall. You know what I'm talking about. You're at the office mid-afternoon, and you just hit that wall. Lack of energy, lack of focus. You need something to help pick you back up. Built Go is the way to go. It's a healthy replacement for that yucky energy drink because the energy is not fake. It's lasting and natural. Think five-hour energy without the same crash feeling. It's like drinking one of those big energy drinks, but with a third of the caffeine and better results. Built Go combines energy gel with protein, and it goes to work fast. It is loaded with good stuff to kick you back into gear, and it tastes great. Three delicious flavors. My favorite is the chocolate mint. You have to check them out. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and you will get 30% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED. Get 30% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go.
Locked on SEC, rolling along here, and really excited to catch up with this guy, national college football reporter for 247sports.com. Those guys crank out content better than anybody. It is uh, unbelievable. If you just sift through some of just the college football stories from today, I mean, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of stories, and I uh, really enjoyed Brandon Marcello's recent piece on college football, basically saying there are only two good teams right now in college football. It's a mess. And Brandon Marcello joins us now. Brandon, what's going on, man? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, three weeks into the SEC, what is your biggest takeaway? Uh, I think like a lot of people's, where's the defense right now? Um, but I, I do think the defenses will start evening out and catching up a little bit. But uh, to me, you know, after the way Alabama performed against Ole Miss, I'm wondering, you know, is Alabama the future SEC champion? Because the most complete team to me right now uh, in the SEC is Georgia with the way its defense is actually playing. Um, but having said that, if you look at it, Georgia hasn't really played a really good offense yet, and they're about to get that, you know, this week against Alabama. So a lot can change week to week in the SEC, it seems like. It is crazy to see how quickly LSU dropped off. I mean, look, you lose a lot of guys to the draft and all that, but to me the biggest thing is personnel change from Dave Aranda to Bo Pelini. And, man, when you look yeah. at the numbers, it's ugly no matter how you want to spin it. I'll spin. I'll carry that on to the question, who is the second-best team in the West right now? Ooh, uh, I, I think it probably might actually be Texas A&M, you know, especially after they beat Florida the way they did. Um, I guess, though, I'll, I'll say this. I, I do wonder, even though Alabama gave up all those points and yards against Ole Miss, that there might be a, as wide of a gap as we've seen in the last decade or so between the first-place team in the SEC West being Alabama, in my opinion, and, and of course, the second team being, maybe being Texas A&M. I mean, a lot of people thought it'd be LSU. LSU is not a good team this year. They're they're a bad team. They they should finish below 500, though they probably won't. Um, Mississippi State obviously has dropped off after that week one win. Can't even score a touchdown at Kentucky. Um, Auburn looks middle of the road in the SEC right now and may very well lose at South Carolina this week. Um, I, I think it's probably... A&M. And to be quite honest, if you look at A&M's schedule, they got a pretty easy road. I mean, it's every game's tough in the SEC, but they should be favored in every remaining game. And if they win every game remaining on their schedule, they might not make the SEC championship game because they lost to Alabama, but they might actually have a shot to get to the playoff as a 9-1 and team without even going to the SEC championship game. Because if Alabama wins out or continues winning the way they, they are with their offense playing, there's going to be an argument out there to be had of like, well, what about this A&M team whose only loss was at Alabama and they beat all these other ranked teams? Um, that's something to watch. It's certainly something at least to discuss right now. But um, it's going to be interesting to watch. But I just don't know if A&M, even if they do finish the year 9-1, and one, is actually all that close to, to what Alabama should be at the end of the year. Yeah, some bad news this week with uh, A&M losing their second-best receiver in, in Caleb Chapman. And, 
You combine that with the loss of Jamon Osmond before the season starts. I mean, it's like how many more hits can that offense take and still be good? But yeah. to their credit, they got it done at Florida last weekend. The game that really intrigues me this weekend, I mean, obviously, look, we've got LSU-Florida. should be a lot of fun. Georgia-Alabama is the game of the week. But Ole Miss at Arkansas, I know it's two one-and-two teams, but if there are two like surprise teams this year that I think, and I say surprise meaning they're way better than we thought they would be, it's Ole Miss and Arkansas. Yeah, you know, I'll say this. I think I think Ole Miss will run away with that game um, just because of the way their offense is playing. I know the defense has just been terrible. In fact, I saw a stat out there uh, where Ole Miss's defense only stopped uh, a potential 41 yards against Alabama, which is just an atrocious <laughs> success rate uh, against Alabama's offense. But um, I think that, you know, Arkansas – is a team that they're going to have to win games that are in the high teens to low twenties. And as you said, we're just not seeing that with these high scoring offenses in the sec. And to be honest, you know, Arkansas played a Mississippi state team that as we've seen can't score uh, right now. And they beat them. They're played an Auburn team. That is like I said, middle of the pack in the sec got blown out by Georgia. And I don't know if, if Arkansas has enough firepower to even keep up with Ole Miss in that game. And uh, I think Ole Miss is actually going to win that one by double digits. Wow. See, I would, I would make the argument just Felipe Franks, you know, he's a guy who's, his numbers aren't bad this year. He's known for over 700 yards. And if Ole Miss's defense is as bad as you say it is, Felipe Franks, a former big time recruit could maybe put on a show. But again, like you said, that, Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin have their foot on the gas pedal so hard that it becomes, man, you make one mistake and you don't score in one possession. You punt once, and it may not be enough to beat Ole Miss the way that that offense is humming right now. Uh, any thought on the LSU-Florida game just in a standpoint of neither team is playing defense right now? Is it simply last team with the ball wins it? Who's that, LSU-Florida, is that you said? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think LSU... Um, as much as they're coming along offensively, obviously that defense has just been very bad. And I think Florida playing at home, you know, Dan Mullen is a guy that I trust to kind of bounce back from disappointing games as such as they did at Texas A&M. I've covered them before for several years when I was on the Mississippi State beat. Um, and that offense is just, uh, I think, could be – you know, it's not necessarily one that's going to score the most points, but when you look at it from top to bottom, it's one that should win them a lot of games, even when their defense isn't showing up because they just get them out of out of tailspins when they have to. But that defense certainly has to has to improve. And uh, the way I look at it is, if Mississippi State can go into Baton Rouge and beat LSU, there's no reason why LSU shouldn't lose when they go to Florida this week and. Um, it's been a great rivalry. It's actually a story I'm working on just on and off the field the last like 15 years or so. And there's been some closer games than maybe even I've expected, but I think Florida will end up winning that one, you know, probably by about a touchdown or two. Though, as we've seen, even against South Carolina, they get up against some teams now, and that defense kind of falters from that. Defense just isn't very good for Florida. And, you know, listen, as dominant as they look on offense, that defense is probably just a step below being bad, if you know what I mean. And, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, am I going to see a Florida team that gets blown out some week and we're just like, whoa, whoa where did that come from? 
but I don't see it because that offense is just way too good and way, way too well coached. Talking with Brandon Marcello, National College Football Reporter for 247sports.com. Of course, if you're not already subscribing to them, I'd encourage you to go do so because they have tremendous uh, insight, obviously, with the recruiting side of things. Every one of your favorite teams, they've got somebody uh, as a beat writer covering them, and then the national guys like Brandon doing a fantastic job covering college football as a whole. All right, Brandon, thoughts on the game of the week in the SEC? Number three, Georgia at number two, Alabama. Strong on strong, like you mentioned already. Georgia with possibly the best defense in the country. Alabama with one of the best offenses. It is in Tuscaloosa. If that changes anything, albeit it won't be a high-capacity stadium, but how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, uh, this is a game where this is Georgia's moment. Um, They could go in and they can beat them. They can beat Alabama. You know, actually, if you look at the team composite that we've put together at 24-7 Sports, Georgia's actually probably and actually is, at least according to our experts, more talented than Alabama, top to bottom because of the recruiting job Kirby Smart's done there and some of the players that have left Alabama over the last year or two. So this is a game that if it was at Georgia, I'd say Georgia wins by a field goal or touchdown, somewhere in between there. But with it being at Alabama – and Alabama's defense stepping up when it has to. I know they gave up so many yards against Ole Miss, but when it came to crunch time in those final seven minutes, they forced a field goal, and that's all they needed to win that game. And to me, that's what kind of makes Alabama scary, is that they're like their offense can do anything it wants right now, and its defense is like progressing, but it still makes the plays when it needs to. And I'm not so sure that I would draw a lot of conclusions from their performance against Ole Miss going into this game, or for that matter, for the rest of the season. So I think this one's going to be entertaining. It's going to be back and forth. But to me, to win championships nowadays, as we've seen national champions, you got to have an elite quarterback. And right now, Alabama's got that in Mac Jones. And Stetson Bennett the fourth, as good as he has been, the former walk-on has misses several throws in every game. And in a close, tight game, potentially like this, that's going to bite them, especially on the road. And I think Alabama ends up winning a close one. And Saban, of course, beats another assistant coach and moves to twenty-two and zero against former assistants. Yeah, it is crazy how that number just keeps going up, up, and up. And playing in the SEC, shoot, almost every other week he's facing a former assistant now, uh, with as many of his former coaches are in the league. I just wonder, Brandon Mac Jones. He's been so good so far. He did throw. An interception against A&M that was almost returned to the house, almost yeah. a pick six. And lest we forget, in that Iron Bowl last year, he threw not one but two pick sixes. I wonder if he makes a mistake like that against Georgia. They are going to make him pay. So that'll be a really interesting one to watch on Saturday. I can't wait for it. Brandon Marcello of 247sports.com. Uh, let our listeners know what you got uh, up on the website this week. Well, I'm working on this story about the history of the Florida-LSU rivalry ever since we uh, moved away from uh, you know some permanent opponents. That's become the one permanent opponent from the East for LSU and from the West for Florida. And there's been some classic games, but also some classic moments off the field between the two. <clears throat> and I'm working on a story today just about can Georgia's defense stop that Alabama offense and is that what's going to win them this game this week? Can they win just by playing really good defense and okay offense? We'll see. But we're going to dive into the numbers and uh, obviously talk to a few people about that and see see what we can dig up. He's on Twitter, at Marcello and again, 247sports.com, the website. Brandon, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me.
Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports. Really appreciate him taking some time out there to preview some of the SEC games this weekend and just kind of a state of the conference three weeks into the SEC. My goodness, it is uh, it is defense optional right now. It is really interesting to see outside of Georgia, not many teams in this conference playing defense and some of these scores looking like Big 12 scores. And I think that's taken a lot of people aback. But, uh, you know, one thing to keep in hindsight, though, is the fact that you would have normally played, you know, think of the teams like uh, Coastal Carolina. Well, maybe they're not even a good example because they're good this year. But like your Georgia Southerns, your Georgia States, Citadel, I always mention, Eastern Kentucky. Like a lot of these teams, those are, you would have played your cupcakes these first couple weeks for some of them. And maybe some teams would have only played one SEC game right now. The fact that you've played three SEC games, or everyone has up to this point, that's what makes the numbers a little bit more skewed. So I'm not ready to jump off the deep end from, oh my god, look at all the points given up. Look, you play tough on tough, grind on grind. We knew you add two more SEC teams to the schedule, it's going to make it tougher. And it certainly has for a lot of these teams, and that's why we've seen some inflated bad defensive numbers. This is Locked On SEC. Up next, who is the second best team in the West? We'll try to sort through it and figure it out. Locked on SEC. Rocking and rolling, counting down to another week of games as we head into SEC Week 4. Special thanks to Brandon Marcello for joining us there last segment, 247sports.com. Remember to subscribe here to Locked On SEC if you haven't done so yet. We're here for you five days a week talking all things SEC football, bringing you some great guests, some great insight, and some great debate. And I wanted to get into debating three weeks into the season, who is the second best team in the SEC West? I think it's easy to say Alabama is the best. They're 3-0 and despite their abysmal defensive performance against Ole Miss this past weekend. I think you chalk that up to it was Lane Kiffin. His quarterback, Matt Corral, is just having a really special season. I think Alabama's defense is going to play better. Put it this way. They won't play as bad as they did this past weekend the rest of the year. I think that's a fair assessment. Unless they maybe play Clemson in the title game and get obliterated by them. But regardless, it did spark an interesting debate. I mean, it's easy to just say the Aggies are the second best team in the SEC, right? They're ranked 11th in the country. They're 2-1. and one. They just come off the big monster win over Florida. But... When you start to dissect it and get into the numbers a little bit, keep in mind, this is an AM team that disappointed highly in Week 1 against Vanderbilt, only put up 17 points against them. Ever since then, LSU steamrolled Vanderbilt, South Carolina steamrolled them. So, not a very impressive performance from AM in Week 1. And then Week 2, you get steamrolled by Alabama. Yeah, it's close in, what, the first quarter? You're able to make it interesting, tie the game, but then Alabama runs off on you and, and you lose by almost 30 points. And then keep in mind, this game against Florida, yeah, you hung with Florida. You were able to answer most of the touchdowns and you know come back and, and tie it. If Florida doesn't put the ball on the ground in the final minutes to give you the short field to go down and kick the game-winning field goal, you probably lose that game. Florida probably gets in the field goal range, and we're talking about a Florida game-winning field goal, and the Aggies are 1-2. and two. So I'd pump the brakes just a little bit on calling AM the clear-cut num- number two best team in the SEC West. Other other candidates, we got Auburn at 2-1. and one. Yeah, you had a good second half against Kentucky in Week 1 to, to eke that one out. 
you were absolutely abysmal against Georgia in week two. Offense completely stymied. You only scored six points. And then this past weekend, it takes help from a ref on a boneheaded decision by Bo Nix, spiking the ball after he put it on the ground, spiking it behind him. And honestly, they should have lost that game to Arkansas. You got lucky there. So Auburn at 2-1, and one, I think it gets better from here. I would hope it does. Certainly have to go into South Carolina and take care of business this week. But Bo Nix has been one of my more disappointing players so far this year in the SEC when we talk about reigning uh, SEC freshman of the year. Just not a great season so far for Bo. But I think he could turn it around. Now you get into an interesting standpoint of all the one and two teams. And of all the one and two teams, they've all had that one good moment, right? Where they were able to you know, pull out a win. But I'm actually going to put LSU at the top of this conversation. Ahead of Ole Miss, ahead of Arkansas, and ahead of Mississippi State. Look, there's no doubting the defense has been absolutely abysmal with Bo Pelini. He is the worst game planner or defensive coordinator in the country right now. But when you look at what LSU did, despite falling behind to Mississippi State week one, they were able to come back and tie it late in the fourth quarter. You know, a few things don't go their way. They lose that game. They steamroll Vandy in week two. And then this past week against Mizzou, keep in mind, they went all the way down the field with this offense and set up a first and goal and were not able to punch it in to win the game from the one-yard line. Four plays. They run the ball in the first two downs, get stuffed, and then th- two incomplete passes on third and fourth down. They lose to Mizzou. But we are one one-yard play away from talking about a 2 and one LSU team that still has all the issues on defense, don't get me wrong, but this offense is one of the best in the country. They are top 10 in passing through the first three weeks of SEC play. Miles Brennan has put up a better resume through three weeks of any LSU quarterback in history in terms of passing yardage, completion percentage, and touchdown totals. Yes, even better than Joe Burrow's first three career games at LSU. Now, it doesn't look great with losses to Mississippi State and Mizzou. These are supposed to be two of your gimmies, but I wouldn't be surprised if they give Florida a game and also wouldn't be surprised if they went out and pulled out a a win in the swamp. It won't be easy, but I wouldn't put it past the Tigers. Next up, I would go Ole Miss. They certainly have a case just because of the offense and what Lane Kiffin has done. Now, they are a Kentucky missed point away in overtime. You know, potentially they go to a second overtime and, and maybe lose that one from being 0-3. So despite Ole Miss being 1-2, you're this close to being 1-3 or 0-3. Or you put up a lot of points against Florida, but you couldn't stop them to save your life. And you put up a lot of points against Alabama, and everybody's giving you that pat on the back, and like we talked about, the moral victory, but you still gave up 63 points to Alabama and lost by double digits. So as much as we're having fun, look, they're entertaining. You always talk about you know NBA, oh, that's a league pass game. That's a team you want to watch on any given night. Ole Miss is a team you want to watch any given week in the SEC because they're hella entertaining. They're just not going to stop anybody. And that's where I would hesitate to put Ole Miss in the running for the second-best team in the West. I know some people are saying, oh, they could be. They're not going to get the stops on defense. Unless Robert Kimdichie and the whole Kimdichie clan come walking through that door to improve the Ole Miss defense, they're going to continue to give up lots of points. And despite how good Matt Corral and the lane-given offense has been, they're not going to win many more games the rest of the season. Arkansas, I'm a little optimistic on. I know they're 1-2. and Look, you gave Georgia... Hell for a half. Second half, go ahead and erase that film. Week two, 
a nice win over Mississippi State, who at the time we thought was the real deal. Man, the eight-raid offense, they grounded that. And then against Auburn, you made the plays necessary on offense in that second half to come back. Felipe Franks made some nice throws. And in the yuck of pouring down rain and gross field conditions, you came back to take the lead late. And if you had the help of the refs on your side, we'd be talking about a 2 and one Arkansas team. I think the job Sam Pittman has done, the two hirings of, of his coordinators and Barry Odom and, and Kendall Bryles have been fantastic. I think Arkansas is a team that could potentially vie for, say, 500 in the league. And I would say they're at least in the conversation for second-best team in the West this year. Lastly, Mississippi State. <laughs> what a tale of just complete downward, downward spiral from week one. The impressive performance against LSU, 44 points on the reigning national champs in Death Valley. Man, what a great performance. And then you lose to Arkansas by only scoring 14 points, and then you lose to Kentucky scoring zero offensive points. You get the safety to get two points on the board. Some real soul-searching in Starkville this week with K.J. Costello, who was a Heisman contender in Week 1, to your benched, bro, in Week 4. Absolutely nuts. I'm not I'm not saying Michael Leach can't turn this thing around and still win a couple of games, but I would not have him in the conversation for the second-best team in the West right now. So if we're really discussing, if we had to pick a second-best team in the West right now, we're going with Texas A&M, but I put Auburn, LSU, and maybe Arkansas is the dark horse. But I think it's between Auburn, LSU, and Texas A&M to finish second-best in the West this year. And again, LSU, I'm just being a little bit hard-headed because I think they'll turn things around. But if not, if Bo Pelini tends to, continues to have that defense terrible, then it's between A&M and, the, and Auburn for the second-best team in the West. But keep in mind, what Auburn's got coming up on the schedule is hell. I mean, you still got to play LSU. You still got to play Alabama. You still got to play A&M. You still got to play Tennessee. I mean, a brutal stretch for Gus Malzahn and, and that team. And thus, the playing 10 games, 10 conference game schedule, absolutely a gauntlet week in and week out. I think we I think we maybe underestimated a little bit. You know that discussion about, hey, moving forward, we should go from eight to maybe nine conference games. I think some coaches and ADs and school presidents may be pumping the brakes on that conversation going, yeah, maybe let's not. Maybe we stick with our three cupcakes, one tough non-conference opponent, and our eight you know, permanent SEC opponents, and we just kind of go from there because this is uh, – this is a brutal, brutal stretch, and I keep saying, I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC cannibalizes itself this season. Georgia beats Alabama. Alabama beats Auburn. Florida beats Georgia. I mean, at the end of the year, we could be talking about two, at least one lost teams playing in Atlanta. Wouldn't surprise me in the least. That is going to do it for this edition of the Locked On SEC Podcast. Appreciate you guys for listening. Remember to check us out. You can always find the latest po- podcast episode at LockedOnSEC.com or wherever you get your latest podcast. My thanks to Brandon Marcello for joining the show. More big-name guests coming later this week. You don't want to miss that. If you missed our interview with Cole Kublik earlier this week, you can check that out as well at LockedOnSEC.com. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. 